you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Super excited today for our guest, Mr. Adam. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm great, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Appreciate you for uh, taking time out of your day to, to jump in. And we're going to be talking about multifamily investing today, which is one of my favorites and uh, very exciting. Something a little bit daunting to a lot of newbies possibly getting into uh, real estate investing, but... But overall, it's like that is truly where the, the real wealth is built. And, I would agree. Uh, and, and, you know, I know you have a ton of different strategies that really has helped you and your business to get to where you're at today. So I really just want to dive into that. But for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, where you're from, um, and, and what you do in real estate, do you mind giving a kind of a little bit of a background? Sure. Yeah, I'll give a, a, just a quick background. So my name is Adam Adams. It's my real name. And I was given that name many, many years ago when I was in Utah. So I grew up in Utah and went to all sorts. I was in several different cities of Utah, moving up and down. And my mom ended up getting remarried to this guy who was actually an entrepreneur and a real estate investor. And for some reason, I shunned the idea of doing anything that my stepdad did. I, he was, he's kind of nerdy, kind of geeky, love him to death. Uh, but at the time I was just like, he cares about the things that I don't care about. So there's no reason for me to worry about wanting to go into real estate. But he kept saying, Adam, you need to save 10%. Adam, you need to invest 10%. Adam, you need to buy even a tax deed because they're cheaper, but you got to get involved into this industry. So I was just kind of um, going through life and hearing this. And one day I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. My dad kept saying, you got to read this. And I had like, I don't know, maybe some spiritual impression that I actually had to read it because I don't know for the listeners, I'm dyslexic. I do not read. Yeah. I've, I've read a couple religious books in my whole life when I was more religious and I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I had a huge epiphany when I was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So if somebody listening has never done it, they should definitely do it. But it changed the way I thought. And I said, you know what? My dad's been right this whole time. I'm going to get in. I'm going to start my own business so I can get into that e qua- uh, that S quadrant. And then, you know, number two, I'm, I'm going to invest in multifamily so I can be in the I quadrant. And uh, at the time, I wasn't really thinking about what's called the B quadrant business, but over time, I found out that I was ruining my life by being the only person in my business that was working. So I ended up hiring 13 employees and I was charging people 55 or 65 an hour for them, but I was only paying them 10 or 15 an hour. Okay. So I, I started making you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour, thousands of dollars a day. And, uh, and I was just like, Robert Kiyosaki's right. And so I ended up uh, buying my first multifamily in 2008, hit the crash, came back a few years ago and got into into fix and flip. So I've tried it all. I've tried to wholesale. I've tried to fix and flip. 
I've tried everything and anything and I find the most success with multifamily investing. Okay. Awesome. So, so at the 2008 crash, what were you investing in at the time? I just had one triplex at that time. Triplex and you lost everything at the time. And then, um, a few years later, you decided to get back into the game. So the value of the triplex dipped a little bit, whereas it didn't make sense to sell it, but I was cash flowing. Oh, okay. So I just kept cash flowing it and I just, I waited five years. I, I didn't even live in the same city. So I sold it five years later. Okay. Awesome. I, I was living in Jacksonville, Florida at the time and had, uh, had my partner managing it. And then finally we sold it for a profit, but it cool. took, it took a few years. So. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that just shows you multifamily right there. You know, it, it still covers you um, in the bad times as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so what year did you jump back into multifamily and what kind of education did you surround yourself with to be able to prepare you to jump into multifamily? Great question. In 2015, I was doing fix and flips and thinking about multifamily. And I thought, I thought this is, this is something a lot of people think at the time I was like, you know what? I have to, um, I've got to like graduate to multifamily. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to wait for a couple of years. I'm going to do some flips. I'm going to have a couple single family rentals. And once I do that, then I'll be able to, you know, buy maybe a 10 plex. And then once I do that, maybe I could do like a 15 plex. And I, eventually I said, no, multifamily is where I want to go. So in 2000, 16, I bought three houses for rentals. And in 2017, I bought um, three apartments and four houses. And then in 2018, I bought two very large multifamily. I took the slow way, but I'm not, that doesn't mean I think other people should take the slow way. That was just my mentality was yeah. telling me I had to do that. But I found, you know, actually I'm sitting right across from a 24 year old who wanted to get into multifamily and he already owns over a hundred doors yeah. and he's been involved for eight months. So he's in the office and he owns a hundred doors and he's been involved for eight months. So anybody can take his path if they want, or they can take my path. Yeah. No, I think, I, I think a lot of people actually have that same mindset because I, I at least, you know, speaking for myself, um, had that same thought process. Like, well, I can't jump into, hundred units, even though that's my goal right now, eventually to, to get to that point. But like I said, eventually, and right now I feel like, well, I, I have a couple of triplexes, uh, a bunch of single family houses. Ideally, you know, maybe next year I'll start jumping into anywhere from 10 to 25 units. And then after that, see how that goes. And then maybe 50 units. And then after that, you know, maybe I'll be prepared enough to go for a hundred unit complex. But it doesn't necessarily need to be like that, correct? Yeah, and actually it probably shouldn't be like that. So let me give the listeners one extremely important piece of advice. Yeah. And it goes, I was just on the phone this morning with somebody who had a triplex and they were managing it themselves because they thought this was the path. But what we found is if you can just skip the 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 and go at least to 70, ideally 100, you're going to find better deals. You're going to find more money because more, if you're trying to raise OPM, other people's money, and that's how we buy our apartments is by something called syndication where we're raising private equity okay. that goes in on the deal. So we're partnering kind of like what it's called a private placement memorandum. It's very similar to like the stocks 
where they're going public with their company. So yep. that's what we do is we, we go private with our company. So we raise private equity for, for each of the deals. But it's a lot harder to do that with a 20 unit or a 40 unit or 50 unit. Most people want to be in these 100 units. Also, the scalability is better too. So the banks want to be in them too. So you get better rates. Mm. Uh, in addition, and this is very, very important, your underwriting is going to be skewed with the smaller deals because you're going to think that, well, a lot of people think this, that there's some type of percentage. It should be, you should always have a 50% expense ratio or whatever. And that means half of the gross income that you're getting for the apartment yeah. goes to expenses. So what ends up happening with these smaller deals, if they're under 70 units, is your property management gets a lot more expensive. So and it's more of a headache. It's actually just harder for you to you to do anything with that asset if it's smaller it's harder for you to get in and it's harder for you to get out of course so so just as as a word of advice if people are able to just trick their brain to say it's okay to be at 100 units or more yeah. or at least 70 um you're going to find more success raising money you're going to find more success getting debt on the property uh, and debt would be the actual banks that put the loans on and and equity is going to be your private investors they're equity partners with you. Uh, they're passive, but you know, they are, they don't want to be in small deals. Most yeah. of these people want to be in big deals. And, and then finally your property management is going to be way more, way easier because you're actually going to be able to have somebody on site who is the maintenance man. Instead of hiring expensive people from outside, you're, you'll be able to have a hired maintenance man and you'll be able to have a hired staff at the, at the property. So just, just a quick thing is if, if you can just get your mind over going f into this 10 unit, 20 unit, 25, maybe 50 yeah, and just go straight into 70 or a hundred or 200, it, it sounds scary, but it's really not. It's just a zero. Honestly, it's just a zero and you'll find, you'll find a little bit more success that way. Of course. Now I think some of um, the overwhelming factor that kind of plays a big part of the whole mindset shift, I guess, is, um, you know, the due diligence evolved. Now there's so many different, uh, units or whatever it may be that end up, you know, I I'm buying houses sometimes or a triplex. And then there's certain things that I don't notice right away until later after I purchase. And I'm like, well, you know, and luckily yeah. it hasn't bit me in the butt yet, but, um, for, for, you know, for the whole mindset shift, when you're dealing with huge units, a hundred unit complex, that's, that's a lot that could potentially uh, slip between the cracks. So yeah. how do you go about doing due diligence, I guess, on these massive um, apartment buildings? Perfect question. And there's another reason why it's better to go big. It's because yeah. when, you, when you get to the 100 units, you, you have a team with you. So you might be missing things. You're, you're still going to have a hired, you know, maybe a... Um, there's all sorts of different people. You might want plumbers, electricians, you know, master electrician to come and check it out. You might want an HVAC guy. You might want to have a certified inspector, a master inspector, if you can, a CMA uh, or a CMI, or, and or you'll, you'll actually be hiring engineers. And that's just on your team. You'll have more eyes on each inch. So instead of having your eyes and one inspector's eyes on every inch of maybe a house, yeah, you're actually having 10 eyes or 20 eyes on every single inch of the apartment building. It's not overwhelming. It's actually easier. 
Um, and you look for what you look for and someone else, your partners are going to look for what they look for. So all in all, it is actually safer and easier to, to look at the apartment buildings. Plus if you're getting debt and I, I like for us, we get debt and we, we get big agency loans and agency is Fannie Mae, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and HUD or, um, FHA. So HUD is going to actually look at every square inch, they're going to do something called a feasibility study. Mm-hmm. So when, when you can get into buying these giant assets, it's more of a business, you're purchasing a business and that it runs within real estate. It's a business in real estate, but whoever you have for your debt is going to do studies. They're going, they're going to send their inspectors. They're going to send their appraisers. So you're actually safer because you have a bigger team and more different sides of the, of the more, uh, you have multiple sides of this buying process that are actually helping you make sure that that's safe because there's a lot of people involved. Yeah, no, that, that makes so much sense. Um, and I think you kind of just helped change my mindset there a little bit right there, because when you're saying you're getting all these experts and you're getting 20 eyes instead of just your eyes on the project, it's almost like you're building a mastermind group right around your project and you're getting the best of the best. So, you know, it's going to be slim to none that you end up finding something that somebody else didn't find. And then you guys can brainstorm about the solution and how to come up with it, which is awesome. Yeah. So, um, so I guess as far as property management goes, um, Actually, before I ask you this question, you did mention just a second ago, like uh, Franny and Freddie Mac um, loans. Now, you can actually get those traditional loans through through um, commercial building complex, like traditional loans. Yeah, so it's slightly different. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they do work with single family. Yeah, that's that's a small part of their business. Most people within single family think that that's just the only kind. And if you're going to go bigger, you need to get what's called a commercial loan. Yeah. But Fannie and Freddie prefer to have these $5 million loans because it's safer for them. For instance, when Fannie and Freddie had houses and when Fannie and Freddie had apartments in the last recession in 2008, there was a lot of houses that were going to foreclosure. And you know, your 401ks became 201ks at the same time. Well, all, all why there was catastrophe in, in all of these other asset classes, the multifamily for Fannie and Freddie, the way that they're underwritten, they had less than a 1% default rate. So apartments were underwritten by Fannie and Freddie because the way that they do it and they prefer it, they saved a lot of money by having more of their uh, money in, in these larger assets. Of course. So they, they're, they're two of the biggest lenders for multifamily. Okay. See, I didn't even know this. That's awesome. So how are, how does somebody go about getting one of those traditional loans? And is there like a, is there, I'm sure there's certain qualifications or um, I guess uh, terms and conditions that go along. Like do, will they lend on a hundred unit or 200 unit? Yeah. Yeah. Fannie, Freddie, they'll lend on, they'll lend on thousands of units at a time. Um, but yeah, absolutely, a hundred or two hundred, easy. Okay. And the uh, what do you need for the qualifications? This is a fantastic question. It's something that all the listeners probably do need to hear if they're they're wanting to get in it. So I'll answer that. And what that is is really these banks are looking for three main things. Your credit score matters. 
just just like any little thing would matter, it does matter. But there's three main things, and that's going to be your liquidity. And what liquidity means is how much do you have in the bank that you can access? What is liquid? In your IRAs, if you can access it, if you're old enough to access it, they'll count that. So whatever it is, they need a liquidity that's pretty close to equal this the loan balance. All right, so you're saying, okay, well I'm I don't have 10 million in my bank account, so how can I buy, you know, a 15 million property and put a 10 million dollar loan on it? That's easy. Again, it's a, it's just a team sport. There's a lot of people that have that liquidity that want to be involved, but they don't have maybe the tenacity that you do to go out and find these properties. So they're just waiting for you to bring one to them so that they can sign on the loan. Another thing that you need is experience. And there's a lot of people that have experience in owning thousands of doors, but they don't want to be underwriting deals all day. Yeah, there's a lot of work and effort that goes into sitting down and underwriting the deals as the front line. So they want people like you and me to be the, the front line for them. So yep. we're out there aggressively underwriting deals. And when we find one, we say, hey, this is in the city that you already own. Uh, you're going to help me qualify for this loan. You say it, but you say it to help them. You just say, got a great deal for you. Do you want to be my sponsor? Uh, Use that word as a sponsor. That basically just means somebody that has experience and signs on the loan. Mm. So Fannie, Freddie, they they need liquidity and they need experience. And those are the main two things. And other than that, I forgot the third one, but those two are super, super important. So just think about that. You just need a partner with the right person. And a shameless plug is that we can, we can sponsor you. We can partner with you. If you, need, if you find a great deal, we're, we're pretty good at raising the funds. So if you don't want to raise funds, we'll partner with you. Just bring us the deal, right? Or if, if you can't sign on the loan because you don't have enough uh, liquidity in your bank, we'll either sign it because we have a little bit of liquidity, liquidity but if it's too big for us, I, I'm very good friends with a lot of the famous podcasters out there that are doing multifamily. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a mastermind group where the average person has over a thousand doors. Uh, so, I mean, there's 30 people I could reach out to and just say, Hey, let's, let's do this deal and let's help Brandon Elliott here when he's trying to get his 200 unit. Um, you be the liquidity person and the equity person. I'll kind of put you guys together. So it's all about creating win-wins and that's, that's all this is, is it's a team sport and there, there's never, we always have ways that we can say, I can't do that. There's always ways that we can say, you know, I'm not big enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not whatever. But I'm, like I said, there's somebody sitting across from me who's 24 who owns a hundred units. So exactly. if you're, if you're 25 and, and you're thinking you can't buy a 50 unit property, I mean, that's just your mindset. That's the only thing it is. It's just, you got to change that. You got to align yourself with the right people that are doing it. I'd be happy to be one of those people that you guys align yourself with if it helps you or pass you on to some other people that are very big in the space. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you for that offer. I mean, I'm sure uh, there's going to be a lot of listeners that are going to tune in <laughs> and start uh, reaching out to you. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, we but, need uh, it. We need it. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I mean, that's, that's so, so important that just that whole mind shift to realize and something that I am a very firm believer in, and I say it all the time, I love this quote, just like, when there's a will, there's a way. And mm-hmm. if, if you have that will and you have that mindset um, and you just put all the excuses to the side, it's so easy to come up with excuses and just give up. Yep. 
you know, that's such the easy way out by just saying, well, you know, this happened or this, I took this loss or whatever it may be and, and just take the easy way out. But, um, but I, I like to, you know, just push through and when there's a will, there's a way. So I like how you mentioned that. Um, cool. So as far as uh, property management goes and getting that team that will be on site, do you, are, are you picking up properties that already have that in place or are you kind of letting them go, finding new ones? Um, how do you build up that team? Because that, that takes a lot of leadership skills. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that is one of the tougher parts of the business. Yeah. And so if, if you align yourself with somebody who's really good at finding managers, that would benefit you absolutely. Okay. For us, one of the things that we've done, we've, we've bought a couple. So I syndicated, which means I, I bought a 16 unit, a small one in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And on that one, we only raised about 300 grand. So okay. from our friends, we just said, hey, do you want to be in it? And we got a bunch of 50 or $60,000 until the 300 was full. And that, that property was too small to even hire a property manager. So we're, it's called self-managing. So we kept the same person in there and, and she did really well over the first year and of thirst for the first couple months and the first quarter. And then the second quarter, um, we're starting to have a little bit of issues, you know, so we're going to have to correct that. And, it, and it's just something that, that we work on every day. There's always going to be things coming up with you. So we, we do have good partners that can help us to make sure that we're doing it right. But you're going to run into issues, troubles, no matter how you do how you do it. But if you're buying a 16 unit, like I'm saying right here, you're going to have more responsibility. And if it's out, outside of your state, then it's, it's going to be slightly harder for you to always keep that manager. So you'll probably want to buy the bigger ones anyway to skip this. On, on the second one, the 83 unit um, that we syndicated this year, we, we did the same thing. We, we actually have an on-site person and we do what's called self-manage. So we hire, we, somebody's on our payroll. What that means is they're actually, they're actually a W-2 employee of the company and we pay, we, we pay them a W-2, we pay their taxes, stuff like that. And they're doing really, really well. They even have cool things in property management. One thing that she does with the, with the residents there, uh, we call them residents, by the way, and not tenants. It's just, it's just the, you know, when we call flight attendants instead of, uh, what did they call them before? Stewardess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the same thing. It's, they're a resident, not a tenant. So when you talk about it that way, it shows that you love them a little bit more. So that's good for your, your listeners if yeah. they're going to be doing this. But, um, so what she does is she puts out barbecues and so every month they'll, they'll have like a big party. She gets to know everybody really, really well. And so we're real happy with her, but if something changed, it would be hard for us to replace her, to be honest. Yeah. And so again, go big enough where you don't have to be as involved with all of this day-to-day -day stuff. So when you're asking, do you find them this way or that way? Well, typically we've been finding them the one way because we were buying smaller things to get into it. But a lot of the times, if you're going big enough, you'll actually have a property management either in place and you'll, ha you'll have a transition period or you'll, you'll come in and immediately change over. Or the third way is, is you'll say, I really like this, this company, so I'm just going to keep them in. Either way, what you probably need to do to protect yourself is to fly out to that area wherever you're buying. Let's say it's Oklahoma City. 
and you want to you want to meet like five or ten property management companies and have two of them that are backups two of those companies who are the top other two you want to align yourself with them you want to be friends with them you want to talk to them often you want to ask them if they can bring you a deal ask them if one of their other their other owners is going to be selling and if you could take a look at it first and so you'll keep a relationship with those other two companies to help you so if you have any issues with the company now you your um, transition period is a lot easier so hopefully that's answering your question no no of course i think that's great and um and overall just like when issues arise at the end of the day we are entrepreneurs so we just need to adjust you know we we just need to make the corrections and um you know what what makes it a little tough i guess is that i think it's awesome that she ends up throwing um kind of like a a little party for everybody once a month i think that's awesome and it almost gets to the point where everybody builds such a strong relationship with that with that one individual that you know it almost makes them very um irreplaceable because yeah. a lot of people don't like that new change great but, point great point so that's good so um cool so i'm curious i know we're talking a little a lot about mindset uh today in general when it comes down to real estate investing in bigger multifamily, but when you're going into a project i'm curious like where your mindset is at in doing the due diligence and like what the overall plan is like do you have an end goal or uh like a sell time frame or um you know like yeah. what what are you thinking about when you're looking at these properties yeah so my team is pretty big so i've got eight eight people on on staff here. So there's six people in the office every single day. There's an, there's an acquisition person outside and then there's a liquidity person that, that just wants to be on the team because he can, he can leverage seven other people's time and he just has to have a bank account. So you've got to think of it like that, right? It's all yeah. mindset. But what are we looking for? So my, my, my acquisitions person looks for one thing, and then when something passes, what we kind of call pre-underwriting, a few numbers that work for our company, then it goes, then it goes to our underwriter. The underwriter actually spends a couple of hours only plugging in the numbers into his spreadsheet, which he's an engineer, is brilliant, and he's made his own spreadsheet. So a lot of people say, well, let me get your underwriting template. Well, he won't even sell our underwriting template for 10K because like it's his proprietary thing. He loves it so much and, he, and it, it details out everything that could go wrong when you sell, blah, 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 blah. And so my job in the company, just want to be completely straightforward and honest with you. I do a lot of the podcasting. I'm setting up events. So I've got some really um, powerful big events that go on in Denver. And I speak in a few different cities and country, uh, not countries, cities. Uh, like um, I'll be speaking a couple places this year. And it's mostly to help get our name out. And I don't focus as much as our underwriter. And our underwriter, if you had him on the podcast, he would be able to be like, well, we need to have this like yeah. number. And what, then when we hit this key metric, that, that stuff is boring to me. And um, yeah. so I'm just being completely honest with you. Um, I, if you're going to have your own company that's buying these apartment buildings, you're going to want to have somebody who can lock themselves in a closet with no windows, no doors <laughs> for hours at a day because they're in love with the numbers. And you're going to want to have somebody over here 
that is in love with people and really just likes to talk to people and help people and talk about mindset or whatever. So that's why we work. And that's why your listeners, if they're going to get into this, they're going to want to do that too. But sometimes, now I can speak a little bit eloquently of, of our deals that we actually have under contract. But when we're talking about like everything that you're talking about, that's my underwriter's job. My partner who does all of the underwriting focuses on all of those little details, the numbers, yeah. the metrics. So, No, no, I, I definitely appreciate the transparency. I'm very big on that. And, and at the end of the day, it's so, so, so important to identify your strength and yeah. your weaknesses. And, you know, it, it is good to challenge yourself and put yourself, you know, out of your comfort zone to, to learn something new. But at the end of the day, if it bores the crap out of you and it's not something that you enjoy at all, like why torture yourself in life? Do something that you're passionate about, something that you love and something that makes sense that you're good at. And, you know, you feel that rewarding feeling and then, you know, leave the other crazy jobs that, you know, you don't want to be ever seen near uh, to the people that enjoy those. Yep. And it really just comes down to that, that team, you know, the, the team building. And, and making sure everybody is doing their job, is in love with their own job, and, and can work together as a team to, to make the deal come true and, and, and work out properly. Yeah. So I'm curious about, if you don't mind, um, going into, you said you have about eight people on the team. I'm curious, like, each role that people okay. have. And um, just so people like me can can know how to like build my team. Like what do I need to be able to make this uh, happen in general? Absolutely. I think back to, so I'm a podcaster and yeah. as well, and I've, I've got a podcast episode that, that really dives into just what you're saying. I think it's like episode 88. Um, and what's the name of the podcast again? It's called creative real estate podcast. Very cool. I love it. So um, what, what I was going to say on that is, that I've, I've answered this question in absolute depth and it, and it took, you know, 15, 20 minutes to, to get in there. But when it comes down to it, you need somebody who's more like an administrator yeah. in your team. And that might be one person for you. And that person might have other roles. Yeah. Or you might have 100 people doing the administrative stuff. And same thing, you need somebody whose main role is to... Be, kind of be the face of the company, put it, put, put eyeballs and a smile to a brand yeah. because people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. They don't do business with businesses. Yeah. You have to have a personality. So you're going to have that person. There's, I mean, we could get so deep in the rabbit hole and I don't want to for this, for this episode. If you want to sure. find that episode on my podcast, it's something like 88, give or take just a couple of, of episodes, but okay. hopefully that helps you guys. If you want to jump on creative real estate lunch uh, podcast and just find that, but you have to have admin, you have to have legal, you have to have, you have to have a face, you have to have acquisitions, you have to have, um, somebody for dispositions, you have to have somebody to manage the properties or to manage the manager. Some of these things can be hired out. So all of our legal is hired out. We don't have somebody in on staff that's an attorney. Yeah. So we hire Jillian Sidoti and Gene Trowbridge, who are two of the most famous syndication attorneys in the country. 
they are our attorneys, uh, attorneys, not attorneys, but they are our attorneys and they focus on making sure that we're compliant with everything we do. And, and that costs us a lot. I mean, this is, this is like 15 grand at least every time you have a deal just to make sure you're compliant, but it's, it's worth it to us to do that. Yeah, of course. So all in all, if you want to just look at our team, yours doesn't have to be exactly like this because one person might have all eight roles and maybe you'll have a hundred people doing sub roles. Yeah. So I do podcasts. Uh, I do meetup groups. I do a little bit of speaking. I go on other people's podcasts when they invite me and thank you so much, Brandon. Yeah. And then I make video content. Just I sit down and I record something and that's about as far as I go. And then I have somebody in on the team who has been called, who's been known to be called like the social media guru of Denver or of the multifamily space. People have coined this guy a few different things. And once I do a recording, he finds a way to do subtitles at the bottom, finds a way to make that video really scream, really sing, and, and get out in front of the world. He even edits out the ums the, sometimes when I sound like an idiot. He yeah. just takes that out and just puts it out so that people can see us and doing what we're doing. And he actually knows some algorithms to different Facebook and other platforms that, that dive in so that people can actually see that video. So I, if I just did it, like I would make a video and 10 people might see it and you know, maybe nine of them didn't like it. So it wouldn't go very far, but he's, he's hacked into the algorithms because he's a social media guru and it allows us to be big on, on uh, LinkedIn. So I've now got 19,000 followers, you know, it allows us to be big on Instagram. So I think since I've, I've met the kid, I call him a kid cause he's just 24. Yeah. But since I've met him, um, my, my Instagram following has, has gone up by, uh, I would say about eight eight hundred percent, like eight times bigger, just just from the way he does it. It's there's wow. some there's some strategies, and he allows our company to get to be able to do something called funnels. It's yeah. a marketing funnel. It brings people in, and it allows them to do whatever whenever they want. And we we really really like a lot of people say to me, "You're huge on social media," but like. I don't really do much of that. You know, I, I record the video, but there's somebody that makes that happen better. And then, and you don't need that person, but I like to have that person. And for us, it's really easy now to raise money on our last deal. We actually were raising about 1.3 and you know, the day after we closed, there was 10 more million. Like, ah, I can't believe you sold that or already bought that. I wanted to be in, but that's, that's because we've got that, presence and it's kind of a partnership we have an admin and we need an admin and she's amazing um and that admin takes orders takes thoughts takes processes writes it down and she's really really good at making a structure because i'm scatterbrained and i'm not afraid to admit it i couldn't get all this stuff done on my own but i have an admin where i can like detail what needs to get done she's very very good at doing it and then we have somebody who's, who's built a lot of big businesses and failed a few, uh, but overall out of a few st- tech startups, you know, made millions of dollars through doing this. And so it's really good to have somebody on the team that, that thinks like that and who is able to write. So I'm not a writer. 
but there's people that will funnel into our company because we have a blog. So he does the blog. He also does, uh, I might start a conversation with a passive investor who wants to invest with us. I might start that conversation. And then I pass them to him because I want, I want to keep growing. I want to keep meeting more people. Yeah. And the system of emailing the passive investors is not my strong suit. I love when I see them at my meetings. I love, I know every single one of them by name. I can look them in the eye and ask them how their kids are. But DJ is much better at focusing on just making sure that, that they're constantly getting content from the company and constantly having updates of what we're doing so that we're always on the forefront of their mind when there's a lot of places to invest. I won't lie to you. There's a lot of syndicators out there and we just want to keep a good relationship and I couldn't do that without him. We've got somebody who's been, uh, has had, Rentals for several years is has read contracts for several years. So he, his main job is to do market analysis to understand if that market's going to work for us or not. And there's a lot of details that go into that. And because we're doing so much in so many other places, we need one person, just we need one person to do all that market analysis to make sure that it's viable to even buy there. And then, and then, you know, I could get into so much detail, but then there's somebody who just signs on loans and that's all. They just, they have, they bring a large bank balance, which allows us to look more credible when we're buying things. And it sounds like we're using him for his bank balance. But when you really think about it, he's using all seven of us for the strategies that we're doing. And all he has to do is sign on a loan. So it's, it's really pretty incredible. And then there's an acquisitions person that, that goes out and, makes phone calls to brokers every day and we teach them some strategies on how to create that uh, um, relationship faster and better. For instance, here's a great hack just for your listeners. Yeah. One thing that we teach uh, when we're talking about bringing in uh, new properties and starting a relationship with a broker is the way you talk to the broker, not just the words you say, but it's, it's really how you, how you position yourself when you're calling them. So there's a lot of things that go into that and we can go as far as you want, but really this person needs to, um, needs to basically qualify the broker. So you have to qualify who is this broker and you're asking them questions. Have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? Okay. Well, because of that, we, we would like to work with you. And it's changed it all the way because if you just call the broker, the broker's going to immediately qualify you. Well, how many deals have you done? Well, how many doors do you own? Well, do you own anything here? Well, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. So you, you automatically sever the relationship before it ever starts. Almost just because of the credibility. So they want to make Absolutely. sure that you're legitimate. They don't want to waste their time with people that are just getting started or whatever it may be. Yep. And even if you're just getting started, if you, know, if you can qualify the broker in the beginning, it will help you. Yeah. So you basically just need to, you need to get them excited about it and uh, talk the talk. So, so they know that you are serious and you're going to pull off the deal and not waste their time. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, you just dropped a ton of uh, gold right there with so many different things. I, I love it how, you know, you guys have that, that young guy that's doing all the, all the social media stuff and helping with the videos and um, getting more, more followers, more attention to you guys, which is, you know, it, it, it's so important. It really is because now you're creating that, that lead funnel of more people. Just like you said, you have 
so many people that ended up, uh, you said 10 million after that deal closed. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's great because that just puts more pressure on you guys to find another property. And it really a bigger, does. A bigger and better one, which is yep. awesome because now you got 10 million instead of just the 1.3. Yep. And for the listeners, you will feel that pressure because once you start getting, doing some deals, yeah, you will feel a little bit pressure because we, we have people who are like, I've got a 1031. Don't you have something right now? Or I, you know, I need to get this out. I, I pulled a HELOC expecting to be in your last deal. And I'm sorry, I was too slow. It was, it was, you know, it was somebody else's fault to, because the HELOC took a little bit of time to come through. And so when's your next deal? So, so this is very, very important. You may feel so much pressure that you have to put somebody's money to work fast yep. that you'll make mistakes. Do not do that. It is okay. There's always more money. You're, you have a responsibility to people more than just getting their money out. It's making sure that they make money on their money. Of course. And it's so, secure yeah. in a proper way that they are going to get a return. You know, they almost expect yep. it and they should. So don't, don't just know that you've got 10 million. So it's going to be easy for you to just put money and then you're, you're doing <laughs> crappy underwriting with your properties and just, throwing things at the wall. This is very, very important that you feel like you're a steward of the money. Mm, that's good. It's so true. Um, the last thing you want to do is mess up other people's money. And then as, as you're building this huge team, because it's really going to start hitting the, the credibility factor and it's going to be hard for you to raise money in the future. Um, cool. So as far as, so this is kind of, um, leads me to my next question. When it comes down to finding all these properties and getting out there, how many, how often are you guys just constantly looking? And I guess what areas are in the country are you guys investing in? What states? Uh, we're in a few states. Okay. Um, well, where we own is Colorado, Tennessee, Ohio, and Connecticut and Missouri. And the additional states where we're open to buying but don't yet own anything would be Indiana, Texas, and Georgia. Okay, very cool. I love it. Yeah, that's some. I mean, that's some great opportunity right there. I'm currently in Ohio, and um, and that's where you know I'm, I, I have my uh, LLC and everything. So you know, I would like to stay over there. But um, but at the end of the day, I obviously creating another one wouldn't be that big of an issue. A lot of good cities in Ohio right now. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of good opportunity. Um, very cool. So what would you recommend to somebody like just getting started and, you know, they're interested in real estate investing. They really resonate with your story and, and going the bigger route instead of wasting time. They want to go all in and they want to dedicate, you know, their investments, their, their time, their resources into multifamily investing. What would you recommend to them um, to really be able to pull it off and to take action? Well, number one is learn what yeah. you're, learn about what you're going to do and align yourself with the right people. So to do that, you're going to want to either pay for an education yep. or you're going to want to align with somebody who's already doing it and, and use them as your mentor and work with them. Um, and you're going to want to start getting a network of people. So that means go to the right meetings. 
if you're just going to any old RIA, if you, what you want to do is multifamily, okay, you should stop going to RIAs that are about fix and flips and wholesales. Just if that's your goal, right? You got to start networking and becoming the average of the five people you surround yourself with by actually being next to multifamily. And you have to start thinking like a multifamily person. I recommend listening to podcasts. I've got a great podcast for if they resonate with me, if they resonate with this, they'll probably learn a lot through that podcast. I interview a lot of great people. Um, there's a lot of other really good podcasts that I love and I listen to uh, and I get nuggets from each and every day. There's books out there in the multifamily space that they can read. My personal mentor, Dave Lindahl, wrote one of the more famous books within the space. So if they just type in Dave Lindahl, there's two books that he wrote. And one of them is about the markets and how the markets change. And the other one's about the basics of apartment investing. And there's a lot of other stuff. I've got free content on our website that can help them. So to, to slim it down, I would say learn it by getting just immersing yourself in it and start networking with people. If you're going to start raising money, this is extremely important. So another big takeaway, guys, yep. if you're, or and girls that are listening, is now's the time. Today is the day that you start to raise money. Right now, you're going to start raising money on your Facebook. You're going to start run, make, raising money when you network with people. You don't wait until you have a deal. And then you say, all right, now I need to raise $1.3 million. How am I going to do it? You literally go right now today and you start making connections with people and you start just saying, this is the space I want to get in. I want to align with people. You're, you're telling that to a lot of different people. And when you have a deal, you, now you have a bigger, more vast network where you can reach out to and say, would you like to partner up on this deal? You don't say, would you like to put money in my deal? You just say, hey, would you like to partner up and, and, and do this deal together? And they say, sure, how can we do that? And you say, put in the minimum uh, investment into, a, into this deal and, and be one of the passive equity partners. And that way we can work and go further. I have a lot more details on raising money on a free course that I'd probably be willing to share with your listeners if you want um, at the end. But, but align yourself and learn this deal. Learn this business. Either pay somebody or at least start by um, get, finding a mentor, a coach, or listening to podcasts and reading books. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned all those things. You know, um, I, I think it's so, so incredibly important to build on that foundation, just like building a house. Like, you know, you really, you need to have a solid foundation. So the education is your foundation. And I waited two years before I finally pulled the trigger. Plus I, you know, several years before that I, um, I was working with an investment company out here in San Diego. So I did that for a year and got very educated in that, in that sense as well. But I did tremendous, um, you know, free education, you know, when it comes down to a ton of books all on real estate, um, uh, any YouTube, like a ton of YouTube and um, a bunch of different podcasts that helped me tremendously along with other mentors that, that helps uh, guide me into that into that atmosphere. So th that's kind of one of the main reasons why I actually came out with this podcast because I wanted to give back and pay it forward because I truly did learn so much from podcasts and anything I didn't know, I just Googled it afterwards and figured it out. Um, yeah. So 
you know, at the end of the day, I, I've paid for dozens of courses after that, that has helped, um, you know, I've taken the golden nuggets here and there from all of them to get to my next level. But I think it is very, very important to focus on that foundation and, and really just soak in as much knowledge as possible. And then, like you said, like partner up, find, find other people that are doing it, surround yourself with them. So you'll become the average as well as, you know, see if you can add value to them by any means, if you can add value into their life and, and be a part of their team and take a very small percentage in, in the beginning, you know, um, just to get that a credibility, that, that, that comfortableness of like, Hey, I am doing it right. A little bit of handholding along the way, then I think the confidence will be built and then, you know, you'll, you'll be good to go to actually do it, you know, solo. But, yeah. um, that's some great nuggets right there. I appreciate it. Yeah. So how can, how can people reach out to you? And, um, and I know you mentioned some of those, uh, free sources that you want to give out to the listeners, which is very, very awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, they can find our website, real blue spruce.com. That's real R E A L like real estate blue, the color blue and spruce, which is a tree. I guess it's not in every single state, but real blue spruce. Um, which is the Colorado state tree that if they go there, they can find us, they can get some of our education, but there's, there's two bits of free uh, education that, that is technically on the website, but it's not clickable. You actually have to have a direct link to get to there. Um, so to give that to your listeners, I, I just give you uh, a word to text and my, our phone number that you can text it to. And it's just automated, you know, through, through that young guy that we were talking about earlier. It, he makes it automated. So um, there's no spam or anything like that. All it really does, you just text the word and it gives you a link and, and you just can click on the link and it goes to our website to this hidden page, right? right? So there is a hidden page with free content on just raising money. And there's four videos on there. They're, they're fairly short, 10 minutes each, and they will give you a lot into raising money. If, it, if that's what you want to do, use OPM, then what you'll do is you'll just text raising money with or without a space, just raising money. And the phone number that you go to is triple five, triple eight. So there really is only six digits there, five, 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 eight, eight, eight. Um, and if they, I have a couple of meetup groups. I don't think we really talked about them too much, but no, we didn't, no. we're okay. So we're, uh, my meetup groups are very, very, very successful. And I say that humbly. I just, but they really are just powerful and big and um, so much so that meetup.com, the headquarters of meetup flew me uh, to New York city to teach 150 of the top meetup organizers from around the world in several different countries, how I did it. So basically um, I've got six things that the six main things because really going over it would take forever, but six main things I've put a PDF together and if they want that, if they want to know more about that, they just text meetup to 555-888. Again, it's free. It's free resource. But that just allows them to say, you know, these are the six things that made Adam Adams have one of the top meetups in the world. And if I implement them appropriately, you know, I guarantee you guys, you're going to have, if you're implementing all six of those, you'll have a very powerful network around you. Because if, if you have time to go to a meeting, if you have time to go to other people's meetups, you may as well just be a leader in the space and have your own meetups. Of course. And these six things, if you do them right, 
they will put you at the top of the map in your city where you'll be the one that people look at in your city. So uh, again, um, raising money to 555-888 or meet up to raising, uh, meet up to 555-888. Okay. I love it. That is awesome. Very cool. Um, and how, how can people reach out to you personally if, if that's acceptable? Do you have uh, social media or... Yeah, I mean, Adam, Adams, there is very few of us. There are still 16 of us around the country. I don't know how, but I'll be one of the top two on SEO. So you just type it in. You can find me on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, wherever you want. And if you want to email me, it's just Adam at the email that we talked about before, realbluespruce.com. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam. You're the man. I really do appreciate you. your time. And dude, you just poured in so much value right there. So oh. I'm very, very blessed. I know the listeners have a, have a lot now that they can actually implement and take action on. So that is very, very cool. Great. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So um, for anybody out there that's listening, if you guys could uh, do me a favor and if you want to reach out to me, um, I'm on any social media, Brandon Elliott Investments or uh, brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, if you want to do me a favor and jump on iTunes or any, any platform that you guys listen to the podcast, Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing. Uh, if you leave a review and you subscribe, this will help more people get recommended uh, to the podcast, which will help my overall goal to expand it, get a million different views and subscriptions for people um, just like yourself that are interested in real estate investing, but don't know exactly where to get started. This is going to help more people branch off and, and really find the power of uh, real estate investing and why, you know, myself and Adam here are extremely passionate about it. So do me that favor, subscribe, leave a review and send me a screenshot and I will take care of you guys and uh, send you my book action driven, which has helped dozens and dozens of people so far um, with many different things. There's a lot of, there's a lot of storytelling in here that some craziness of, uh, you know, how I grew up and some stories that will impact you possibly resonate with. And then I've always been known as the person that takes action. So this will actually help. Um, you know, I give my daily routine of what I do on a daily basis to help um, build momentum and be a man of my word and actually, you know, implement certain strategies to stay on point and, and take action. So I will send this to you for free, the free book. You guys just need to uh, show some love, leave a review and uh, subscribe. That would mean the world to me. But um, thank you guys all so much for tuning in till next time. Once again, Adam, you're the man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Till next time, guys. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.